Life can be confusing. We got married young, loved our life, weren't sure if we wanted kids, and felt like there was something wrong with us. In this episode, we're getting personal about our fears about starting a family and how we ultimately came to the decision to have kids. This is Life with Amy and Jordan. If you've been following along with us on Instagram, then it is no secret to you. You already know how much Jordan and I love being parents. We're head over heels for our baby boy, Beckett. We call him Bex. And I guess he's not technically a baby boy anymore. He's a He's a full-blown toddler. He's a drunk squirrel in a diaper. (laughs) He really is. Um, We're also expecting our second baby right now. And I think Instagram, since becoming a mother, has become my biggest exercise in self-control because I'm just constantly taking photos and videos of Bex almost every single day. I Probably every day since he's been alive, I've been taking photos and videos of him. And so I have to like really restrain myself from oversharing. Which is like funny. Right compared to like our childhoods, where our parents had had to use like point and shoot on film cameras, and so it'd be like, "Here's a photo of you from like you know the fall of 1989," and then the next photo that was taken of you is like the spring of 1991. It's so true. So um, when I think about like how packed my camera roll is, I'm actually pretty proud of how how much self control I've been able to exhibit and not over posting too much. But I just love sharing the little moments of our life with him. Uh, especially uh, if you haven't seen the video of him throwing his very first tantrum that we happened to catch on video involving him in a laundry bag. It's in my highlights and it's definitely worth a watch when we're, you when you need a good laugh. We're definitely those slight, the slightly evil parents who take a little bit of delight and some of the more like ridiculous tantrums that our son <laughs> throws. Um, I don't know what that says about us. Maybe you're a parent and you understand. Um, but sometimes it is really hard not to laugh at the things they do when you're supposed to discipline them. We have to kind of like look away and laugh <laughs> because it's so funny, even though what they're doing is so wrong. <laughs> So if if you're familiar with that part of us, if you've been following along on Instagram, you might be really surprised to find out that Jordan and I were really unsure about having kids for a big chunk of our marriage. We really didn't know if we wanted kids, if we were meant to have kids, if we should have kids, um, if we wanted them at all. Um, And so one of the reasons we're sharing this is because we've gotten a lot of messages and emails from people wondering, you know, when did we know that we are ready to have kids? Or people asking, hey, could you just explain the thought process that it went into it or the timing that you recommend? And here's the thing is, (laughs) these are such personal questions um, and the answers are so different for every person. There is no right answer to this question. Um, so we're only going to share our own experiences because, you know, we just want to connect with you on a deeper level and be more honest and more transparent and uh, and talk about the real things. But just want to make it super clear that we're we're no experts on this. We just went through it for the very first time, um, and there are no right answers to this, this question. It's going to be different for everybody. Um, but what whether you're married and you're considering starting a family right now, or whether you're single or you're dating or you're engaged, or whether you've already decided that kids aren't for you, and that's totally great, or kids are 
already grown and you're wondering when the heck your own grandbabies are coming, um, our moms could relate to you yeah, 100%. I think, I, I think we gave them heartburn for like eight years of <laughs> yeah, our marriage. Definitely. Uh, so whether you're in any of those seasons, we hope this episode will be really interesting and helpful and provide just some insight on such a big decision. Um when I think about my own like maternal experiences, I never considered myself a baby person. And maybe you relate to this and maybe you're the opposite of this. But for me, I never had quote unquote baby fever. Um, I never was in a position where I was saying like, oh, my ovaries are aching. Or I've never said that either. <laughs> <laughs> which is a, a relief to hear, honestly. Um, but, you know, I've just never felt that like ache in my ovaries or had baby fever. Um, when I was around other babies, I, I was never really super interested in holding them. I always thought they were cute, but I was just never really into the idea of babies. It just wasn't really something that I would consider like, oh, this is something I really want in my life. Um you know, I think one of the reasons for that might be that we were always, especially early on in our marriage, seeing and hearing constantly lots of negative stuff about uh, parent life and baby life. Um, you know, like you're always hearing about parents in the baby stage that are just deprived of sleep and exhausted and they have bags under their eyes and they're talking about waking up throughout the night and we really love sleeping, <laughs> right? Um, we would like see those awful photos on Facebook of like, you know, oh, my kid just blew out his diaper and it's like all in the car seat. And here's a picture of like this gross, like bodily fluid, uh, like vomit in people's hair. And it was just, it kind of just looked really messy and not necessarily something that a sane human being would sign up for, in my opinion. Um, I always think too, one of my favorite shows of all time is The Gilmore Girls. And there's a scene in it where one of the main characters characters, Luke is talking to Lorelai and he's talking about how he doesn't feel ready to be a parent. And he says, I don't even like kids. They're always sticky and they've got jam on their hands. Even if there's no jam in the house, it's like somehow they always have jam on their hands. I'm not the right guy to deal with that. I have no patience for jam hands. Um, and I, that's not a very good impression of Luke Danes. He has really good, like, gruff rants. But I've always that, that line, I have no patience for jam hands, always related to me so much. I just felt like, yes, that's me. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want to sign up for a life of sticky jam hands. Um, so, you know, I think the funny thing is, is we were elementary school teachers. So by nature, it was like our job to be around kids with sticky hands. <laughs> like we were constantly doing projects with the... Well, we taught fourth and fifth grade. So they were like nine and 10. They could use the bathroom by themselves. But you like, know, they're still using Elmer's glue. And that's true. There's still lots of reasons for their hands to be sticky. It used to be like, achoo. Here's my homework, Mr. Demos. Oh. oh, yeah, the germs floating around in there. But I think that's another reason why people are so surprised to find out that we weren't sure about having kids is because it was literally our job to spend all day being in charge of not one kid, but 25 kids or 30 kids at a time. And the thing is, we loved being teachers and we loved building relationships with our students. But we loved saying goodbye to them at three o'clock every afternoon. <laughs> here, here. I think we were 
were kind of like horrified by the idea of being with them all day and then having to take another set of our own children home. We were kind of like, oh my gosh, we don't have the energy for that. Like, and we were in our early 20s and we were already like, that's exhausting. Um, knowing like our energy levels were never going to be higher. And we were already thinking like, oh my gosh, that's so much work. And so I think maybe that elementary school teaching experience really factored into our feelings about kids and really I think kind of uniquely shaped the way that we viewed the challenges of parenting, maybe that in a more unique way than like most 22 year olds might experience who aren't working with kids on the daily. Um, and I think a lot of people our own age um, would just kind of dream about like the really sweet parts of having a baby like oh, I just can't wait for those sweet baby snuggles and the footed jammies and bath time with the hooded towels. And, you know, like, I wonder if the baby's going to look like me. And we were kind of like, uh, but do you know how hard it is to get your kids out of bed every morning? And then you have to get them dressed and brush their hair and cook them breakfast. And then you have to pack their lunch boxes and make sure their permission slip is signed. And hey, do you have your reading log? And where are your shoes for soccer? And you know, like who's doing pickup today? And oh, shoot, we have speech therapy after school. Do you have a snack? Like, oh, man, we got to do this homework. Gosh, this math is really hard. Math wasn't this hard when I was in school. Like, what are we going to make for dinner? You're not eating your peas. Like, it's time for a bath. Like, oh, like that was our picture <laughs> of being parents, if I'm being honest. Um, we really were like, whoa, this parent thing is not for the faint of heart. Like we're able to teach the kids every day from nine to three, but all the stuff that happens before the kids get to school and all the things that happen after and the weekends and the summer, and we're just like, oh my gosh, our heads are spinning, thinking about purposely signing up for that much responsibility and stress. And of course, we saw the the like the beautiful benefits of relationships with these kids. But at the same time, we were just like, whoa, 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 we don't feel ready for this. Um, and I think it's it's such a blessing to when thinking back, it's like kind of funny that when we were thinking about having kids and having a baby, our I think our babies were always 10 <laughs> in our heads. They're always like nine or 10 years old. Um, and thank goodness, like God doesn't give you a 10 year old, you get to start with a baby that can't talk back or uh, that isn't doing a uh, common core math, you know, <laughs> like it's definitely, you get like one little step at a time, but that was what we were picking. We were never really picturing a sweet baby. We were picturing all the responsibility that was going to come down the line. You know, I think for Amy and me, there were so many benefits and advantages to working as elementary school teachers for four years in next door classrooms. Um, I think one of those is that we got to see a lot of different types of families. I think when Amy and I first got married, we kind of had this working assumption and I don't know where this assumption came from like nobody came came down from on high and said this is the way that it must be but Amy and I had this assumption that when you got married you had babies that it was like step 1 get married step 2 have babies and I think because we were young we kind of put this pressure on ourselves. Like, I think we are supposed to get married and then we're supposed to have kids right away. But because we didn't have that desire in our heart for children right when we got married, um, I think we were always wondering a little bit in the back of our mind, like, is this something that we're supposed to be doing or something that we're going to regret, regret later if we don't do it sooner? And I think that's because we kind of understood all of the benefits 
of being young parents. Like those were kind of just like obvious to us. We understood that like for younger parents, that meant that they had more energy, right? They had more energy for little crazy ones running around. They had more energy for the park. They had more energy for lots of other things. Um, I think Amy understood that for women specifically, um, pregnancy and labor and delivery and recovery and all of that kind of stuff is easier on younger moms than it maybe is or could be on older moms. And so I think we understood they also the idea that when you have kids younger, there's a huge benefit to it, which is you get them out of the house faster. <laughs> so we kind of looked at it and we were like, wait, if we had kids younger, like we could get them out of the house maybe in our early 50s or mid 50s. Like this means we'll be like young, cool parents. Yes, yeah, right? so we'll be like, the young, cool parents. And that means we get grandkids sooner. And so I think all of the the reasons, the positive reasons to have kids younger because we got married younger, those were kind of obvious and apparent to us. And I think what we also had a working assumption that was maybe incorrect is that being an older parent, and I'm saying older parent in air quotes because I'm talking about people who maybe have kids in their like 30s, <laughs> which, which like I guess like technically 30s, they consider, yeah, they consider yeah. 35 like a geriatric pregnancy, but like I'm 32 and, <laughs> and Amy just turned 32 and we don't feel old, but you know, you know, so air quotes, old parents. But we thought that being an older parent, we only originally when we were younger saw the negative side to that, right? When you're older, you have less physical energy for your kids, you know, when they're little and running around, right? You have to wait, you have to wait till you're older to get them out of the house, which means you have to wait till you're older to have grandkids, which just from like a biological perspective means that you get less time with your children and with your grandchildren here on earth, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think we only kind of saw, you know, being a younger parent from a positive perspective and through a positive lens and being a, a slightly older parent from a negative perspective or through a negative lens. And the beautiful thing about the elementary school is that we were interacting daily with hundreds of different types of families and we were getting to watch and observe all different types of families, the shapes, the structures, the whole bit. And what we really saw was a lot of beauty in all different types of family structures and when kids, this, when, when I say kids decided to have kids, but <laughs> when people decided to have kids. And I think what we kind of came to realize is that, you know, there are benefits to being younger parents. There are also challenges and difficulties with being younger parents. You know, when you're a younger parent, you have less married time with just the two of you. That was something that Amy and I really valued was having time together where it was just the two of us. It's also can be really challenging and really stressful to be like actively growing a family and a young family. You know, the toddler years are really tough and the newborn years are really tough to be actively doing those things while you're trying to actively grow your career or actively build a business. It just puts a different type of, you know, time strain and stress and financial strain and different things like that. That doesn't mean that if you're somebody who's younger and you want to have babies younger, you shouldn't do that because Amy and I believe that you should have babies when you want to have babies. And when God places that desire in your heart to have children, that that is the right time and the rest will take care of itself. But I think one of the things, since we didn't have that desire in our heart, we were looking at some of the older families. You know, when I say older, I'm talking like a 40-year-old with a 10-year-old child, right? So people who had children around the age of maybe 30. And I guess we always kind of thought with some of those older, older parents, and again, I use those air quotes, that that there were maybe two things that were going on. One, they got married late and that's why they were having kids later. Or two, maybe they were in a situation where they wanted children, but they weren't able to have children. And so it happened for them later. We had never really considered kind of intentionally waiting um, and choosing to be parents who were a little bit older. But we saw a lot of really wonderful families where they had a 10 or 11 year old in one of our classes and the parents were already in their 40s. And some of the benefits we saw from those parents is that they were a little bit more established in their careers. So 
what that meant is they had a little more time and a little more money and a little more flexibility to do things like volunteer in the classroom or go on field trips or show up on campus and help out and just be around. Um, because they had that extra 10 years um, of life lived, they had maybe a little bit more wisdom and a little bit more patience and a little bit more perspective. And so again, I think there are there are definitely positives and negatives to any situation in life, right? Like it doesn't matter kind of what season or what situation that you're in as it relates to children. But I think because Amy and I didn't have the desire in our heart to have children right when we got married, seeing some of those families who had children a little bit later gave us a lot of comfort that, yeah, you know what? We might miss out on certain things by not being young parents. And we've kind of talked about those already, but there are also some really cool benefits to waiting and we'll get to take advantage of those. And that was what really kind of spoke to us and what felt most comfortable for us. And so that was one of the reasons that ultimately we decided to kind of go that way and why we were so grateful for that time in the elementary school classroom and all the things that we learned from observing all of those different families. We'll continue to talk more about that in just a minute. But first, do you love taking photos but wonder why yours don't look like the ones you see online? What if we told you there was a free online photography class that would help you fix that? We're Amy and Jordan, and along with hosting this show, we're professional photographers who help people take better pictures. We created a free online photography class where you'll learn three easy pro tricks that will help you start taking better photos this week. To reserve your free seat, just head to amyandjordan.com slash class to choose a date and time that works for your schedule. Again, that's amyandjordan.com slash class. We're so excited to share three of our favorite pro secrets that will help you start taking better photos this week. We can't wait to see you in class. Now back to the episode. We also, around that time, we weren't only just teaching elementary school, we were also volunteering um, in our church's children ministry, like in Sunday school, where we were um, coaches for the fourth and fifth graders on Sundays. And that also came with the experience of once a year going away to an overnight summer camp in the woods. Um, And we always used to joke like, oh man, this is the best birth control if there ever was any. Um, Because just picture like three or 400, nine, 10, 11 year old kids all packed into one mess hall where they're all, they are wearing like bandanas around their (laughs) t-shirts, face paint. (laughs) Like they're all wearing like their team colors and they're all like banging on the tables and chanting. And And they've been eating sugar for 24 straight hours. Standing on their chairs and they're like chanting these like camp chants at each other, like back and forth, echo backs. And the mess hall is just like your ears are ringing as you're sitting at this table with all the coffee hasn't even hit our veins yet. You know, (laughs) we're just taking our first sips. And it was being camp counselors at that age was uh, so much fun and so rewarding, but so exhausting. It was like, heck no, do we ever want to bring these kids into our house? (laughs) Because it was just a wild experience. So I think having all those experiences early on definitely impacted our view on the reality of parenthood for sure. Um, And I think the other thing for us is Jordan and I love spending time together. We're best friends. We started dating our senior year of high school. We went to the senior prom together and have like the really embarrassing style choice photos to white tuxedo, (laughs) pink bubblegum dress, poofy, so poofy and the tightest updo you ever did see. Um, But we've been together that long. Um, I was 17. I took Jordan out for his 18th birthday, our senior year. And that was really when our relationship started. So we have always been best friends and love 
love, love, love spending time together so much that honestly, one of our biggest fears was losing time together because we loved spending every second together. And we knew once we had kids, our attention wasn't going to be like completely one-on-one anymore. And not only that, we loved um, just being able to honestly do what we wanted to do and leave the house whenever we wanted, as fast as we wanted. Um, we would see you know, families that it would take them a long time just to get out the door because they're packing up like... The- because jam hands. <laughs> because jam hands. You know, the car seat and the diaper bags and all the supplies and the gear. And we're in that stage right now. And I'm laughing because, you know, we're the ones packing the diaper bag and the car seat. And do we have the right toy? Do we have the right thing? You know, the snacks and the whole thing. And so getting out of the house is a lot harder than it used to be. Um, and, you know, we haven't seen a movie since before Beckett was born. It's just things have definitely changed in that area. And I think we recognize that we were going to lose that freedom of being able to be like, hey, do you want to go to a movie? Or like, hey, do you want to go to Home Goods? Or hey, should we go out to eat tonight? Just that freedom of being able to pop total, out the door. Total side note, husbands, if your wife ever asks the question, do you want to go to Home Goods? <laughs> the answer is always yes. <laughs> because like I always say, when you go to Home Goods, things are good at home. Oh, boy. All right. (laughs) Moving on. Um, And like Jordan mentioned, another big key component of this decision for us was our business. We were building our business um, on nights and weekends while we were teaching full-time to get to the point where we could go full-time as photographers in our photography business. And so we were once we made that transition and we had left our day jobs and were building our business full-time, it was a really uncertain time for us in a lot of ways. We didn't know exactly what was going to happen. And things felt a little bit unstable. And it, it just felt kind of risky. Um, and we really loved what we were doing and we wanted to make it work so badly that our business was so much our baby during that season. We poured everything we had into it. And that's where all, all of our passion was for our business at that point and making it work. And, um, we had a lot of, of purpose behind what we were doing in our business at that point. And we wanted, we were like on a mission and we were going, going, going and we didn't want anything to stop us or distract us from that. And I think, not only that, we were just worried about the, all the ways our life would change. Like, if if we had kids, like, would it change our passion for our business, or would it change our relationship with each other? Or I was really worried, just like, am I going to lose my identity? Um, how is this going to change things? Because we really loved our life. Um, we we were married for about eight years before we had kids, and. We were so concerned about losing what we already had because what we had, we loved. I don't know if that speaks to anyone out there right now that's in a season of like, you know, I love my life right now. You always hear that phrase like, let's not fix what isn't broken. And that's kind of how we felt is like, why would we make a change that's so massive um, to a life that we already love so much? Um, And I think... This was especially difficult for me, I think, being a woman. Um, And when we first got married, I was 21 years old. Jordan was 22. And as soon as we got married, 
I realized like, okay, we're married. We're supposed to have kids now. That was kind of what I thought was supposed to happen. So I was like, okay, we're married. We're supposed to practice now. Oh boy. (laughs) Gosh, I should have known that was coming. Um, But honestly, I started praying when I was 21 years old for God to place a desire in my heart for kids if we were meant to have them. Because at 21 years old, I didn't have a desire for kids. Um, and I really felt like there was something wrong with me. I've, I thought like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get married. You're supposed to have kids. This is part of like the American dream, right? It's like the path that you're supposed to be on. And so I really felt like, is there something wrong with me? Like why? Like I'm, I'm a woman. I'm married. Why don't I want kids right now? What's Amy wrong would, with Amy me? Amy would confide in me sometimes like, am, am I broken? Mm-hmm. Am I defective? Is there something wrong with my heart that I don't currently have a desire for children? And so I just kept praying that same prayer. Like, God, please, like if I'm meant to have kids, just please place that desire in my heart and in Jordan's heart and make it clear when it's time. And I was hoping that like the heart change would happen fast. And it just didn't. Like I was praying that prayer for years. It was like year after year after year. And it didn't feel like anything was changing. And that like the longer that it went on, the more I was like, oh my gosh, I'm defective. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me for not wanting this when I should want this. And as the years went on, a lot of our friends were in the stage where they were ready for kids. And we had a lot of people who were really close to us who were struggling um, to get pregnant. And I think that just like added to my guilt of like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even want kids. And here's someone I love in my life that so desperately wants them and isn't able to get pregnant or is going through, you know, infertility struggles and treatments. And we've walked alongside some of our closest friends throughout a lot of different types of fertility struggles and treatments. And there was like this extra weight and guilt there of like, oh my gosh, like, look how much they want this. And it just made me feel even more broken and more like there was something wrong with me. Um, So, you know, if you're someone that's going through that season right now, we just want to say our heart goes out to you. We have no idea what you're actually going through, even though we've walked alongside some of our closest friends and families. um, That's not been something that we have gone through ourselves. And so we just want you to know like our hearts are with you. If you're in that season right now, we'll never be able to fully comprehend what you're going through, but we're thinking of you and... I mean, our our heart just like aches. Our heart aches because we saw the heartache so up close. Um, So during that season, I just kept trusting that God was going to make our path clear in His timing and not ours. And that's that's really hard. That's been hard in a lot of different seasons in our life. Um, But looking back, I don't regret a single day of our life before we had kids. Um, Like I said, it was almost about eight years before we had them. And looking back in that season of like... 21, 22 to like 20. Man, I need to do better math on that. 29, somewhere around there. Um, That season for us, it was so purposeful and it was so rich. And we got to have so many incredible experiences together. It was such a, we were laying such a solid foundation for our marriage um, and getting closer and closer year after year. And not only that, building our business, getting to experience things together that now things like traveling to places together that now sound exhausting at just the the thought of 
it. But at the time, it was like exciting. And um, when I look back on that time, I don't have a single regret. Um, even though at the time, I was like, man, like, why isn't why isn't my heart changing faster on this? Like, I kind of wish I would just feel like, quote unquote, everyone else, which of course was such a lie in my own head, but quote unquote, everyone else was having kids and wasn't insecure. And I was the only one insecure about this in my head, you know, um, and, and all those things were lies. But looking back, I'm so glad I feel like for us in our life, it was the perfect timing. Yeah. And one thing I, I feel like, you know, and maybe it's just because we are in this current, like, you know, Instagram culture that feels very heavily female dominate, dominated. And I feel like there are a lot of platforms out there, um, which is a great thing um, for women to share their feelings and their emotions and what they're going through and to connect with other women who are going through the same thing. Um, but I, what I want to do is pivot for just a second. And I want to talk to the men for a second. I want to talk to the husbands. I want to talk to the guys because I feel like one of the things that we've learned from reading um, from reading some parenting books by one of our favorite authors, Dr. Meg Meeker, is she says that little boys have the same amount of feelings as little girls. They have the same level and intensity of emotion, but we raise little girls to communicate and express those emotions. And we raise little boys as a culture to kind of hold down and suppress those emotions. And I think there's a little bit of a stigma still for, for men to want to be kind of be tough and to bite your lip and to just kind of like get through it. Um, but what I want to do is talk to the guys for a second about some of the real fears that I had kind of before we made the decision to have children, because I think they're probably relatively common across the board and something that a lot of guys feel. And I think hopefully this will give some insight um, to all you ladies out there who have a man that you love and you're thinking about maybe starting a family, a little bit what's going inside of his mind and of his heart. Um, Amy is my entire world. She's everything to me. Um, when we started dating in high school, I felt like everything about me was complete. Like I just made sense. There was this missing half of me that was finally connected. And there was nothing else I wanted more in the world than to be with her and to be alongside her. And I used to joke even back in college and early days of our marriage that and even still today, um, that everything in the world could burn. But if I had you, I would be fine. I would be just fine. And I think because of that, because of the 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 way that I love Amy and and the, the passion and the intensity that I have for her, um, because I know what it I know what it was like to live without her, and I know what it's like to live with her, and I never want to experience living without her ever again. I mean, you know, quite candidly, I, I've I've told Amy this before. I, I don't have a lot of fears in the world, but my greatest fear. Um, in the entire world is losing Amy. Um, if there's one thing that I look out into my future and think, I think I could get through most things, but I don't know that I could survive that, it would be losing her. And so I think, you know, on a, on a kind of a practical level, there was a part of me that knew that statistically the odds of losing a woman in childbirth in America in 2018, I knew the odds were very, very low. Um, I also knew that it was an outside possibility. It wasn't impossible that something could go wrong during childbirth and, and, and during labor. Um, and so I think that even more than Beckett, because, um, you know, I, he wasn't born yet. I didn't know him as well as I know Amy. But I think for me, deep, deep down, I was terrified that we would be the 0.0001% that had the unfortunate luck of the husband losing the wife in labor. And I have no idea. I can't even imagine the anguish and the real deep, deep pain uh, for men who have lost 
um, their wives or someone they love in labor and for those families. And my heart goes out to them and I ache for them because it's my greatest fear in the entire world. Um, and so I think for me, that was one thing that I was dealing with on the inside that I knew if we don't get pregnant and we don't have kids, then there's never any chance that I'm going to lose you that way. But I also knew that that was an kind of a, not a silly fear, but statistically a little bit unfounded because the odds are higher of dying in a car accident, right? The, there are so many other ways that I could lose her. And yet we get in the car every day and drive and we get out and we experience the world together. And that's how we get the rich experiences of our marriage is by getting out and doing things together. Um, I think the other fear that I had, um, and this is a little more of a selfish fear, right? Um, was was uh, having to share Amy. I think I had enjoyed like our last year of high school, four years of college, um, you know, I think eight years years of marriage up until that point, I had done over a decade of life with just me and just Amy. And the and I knew because I saw it from families at the school, we saw it from family, we saw it from friends, we saw it from anyone that we knew who had had children, their relationship and that dynamic naturally had to undergo some change. And I am not somebody who loves change. I don't think most of us like change. And I was not excited about the idea of losing Pete, what I perceived would be losing pieces of Amy to anyone else or having to share. And I know as you're listening, you might be thinking like, wow, that's really selfish. Um, but I think if you are a husband and you're listening right now, maybe you're thinking, man, that's exactly how I feel. And, um, and so I just wanted to share those two fears that I had, because I think a lot of times as guys, we don't talk about our feelings. We don't talk about our emotions. We stuff them, we suppress them. And so hopefully if you are a guy out there, this makes you feel free and liberated to share these fears and communicate these fears with the person that you love. And if you're a woman listening to this right now, maybe it helps you understand a little bit more why maybe your spouse has been reluctant to want to start a family. And I think another realistic fear for us was how permanent the decision of, of kids was. Um, it's really the only decision I can think of, um, really, maybe that we make in our entire life where there's just no going back. Like we always used to think like, what if we have a baby? And then we're like, shoot, we knew we shouldn't have done this. And we have that regret. And like, we can't go return our baby, right? Like there is no return policy on having kids. And so I think just the, you know, whether it was any other decision in our life, like buying a home or starting a business, there was always a way to like course correct or change or go a different direction. But this was something that was so permanent that, that just the weight of that felt really scary. But I think the funny thing is, is like even with all of these concerns that we just shared with you, like not wanting our life to change and loving our time together and, you know, wondering if we we're going to lose our identity or if we were even going to like being parents or if we'd be able to handle like the extra stress and the no sleep and if we could actually endure those jam hands. <laughs> um, we realized that even for all those years of having all those fears, also over all those years, all the years when we were like, oh, we're never having kids, we were also still talking about our future family. Like we'd be, you know, walking along the road and we'd be like, oh yeah, like I, I can't wait to like do this with our kids one day or like share this experience with them or read this book with them or, um, you know, like, oh, I can't wait to take them to this special spot. Like we were always talking about our future kids that didn't exist. I think in our heads, again, they were like nine and 10 year olds, you know, we like never thought about babies. Like 
became potty trained. Oh, yes. Very potty trained. They were already, they had their addition facts and their subtraction facts. <laughs> they were in our imaginary world. Our imaginary kids just like came out at 10 years old, I think. Um, and so realizing that that was something that we talked about all the time. And also, I think this might sound kind of funny or kind of cheesy that a TV show could actually like make an impact in such a big decision. But when we're reflecting back on things that made an impact on us, one of our favorite shows on the planet is the show Parenthood. It was on NBC and it happened to air in the exact same years that we were teaching elementary school. And I remember that so clearly because it was kind of like the show that all the teachers love to talk about the next day at school. Like we would all watch it the night that it aired once a week. And then the next day we would like be in the lobby in the morning before school started and we'd be talking about the episode. And I think I cried during almost every episode of Parenthood there ever was, um, which was long before we had kids. And so if you're, if you've never watched the show before and you're looking for like a good binge worthy show on Netflix or Hulu, I think it's on both Netflix and Hulu right now currently. Um, definitely check out Parenthood. It's one of our favorites. But in the show, if you're not familiar with the, the show, it basically just revolves entirely around one family where there's um, uh, an older couple that are grandparents and you get to know them and their four grown children who are also parents themselves now. And they're parenting kids from high school all the way down to like kindergarten age. Um, and so I think one of the coolest things about this show is the way they kind of focus on like the multi-generational family, like the grandparents, the kids and the grandkids. And they would have these big scenes where they would all be um, in the grandma and grandpa's backyard. The, uh, the grandpa's name is Zeke and the grandma's name is Camille. So they'd be in Zeke and Camille's backyard, the Braverman family. And they would all be at one giant charming table outside with like twinkly lights and they'd all be eating dinner together and sharing a meal. And the show was one of those shows where it was like the characters felt so real um, and raw and funny. And it just like... It, they had like the messy parts of family and parenthood. And it was just one of those shows that felt really special. And I think there was a part of us that over time that realized like, gosh, it would be so cool to be Zeke and Camille, meaning like to be the grandparents in that situation and have your kids all grown up raising their own kids and have that experience of this beautiful family and this beautiful legacy that you've created and getting to watch it unfold in front of your eyes. And I think like <laughs> we realized, okay, if if that's one of our dreams and our visions for our life, like if we love the idea of being like a Zeke and Camille and having um, a big family where we can watch them grow and watch the grandkids grow and experience the richness of all of that then we have to start somewhere, right? Like even if I don't have aching ovaries and I don't have baby fever, having a baby is actually the first step to having a family. We'll continue to talk more about that in just a minute. But first, if you're anything like us, before you buy something online, you research to no end, which is why we're so grateful when people we know and trust recommend something they already use and love. That's why we created a list of all our favorite things just for you. Everything on this list is something we use and love in our everyday life, from baby products and cleaning products to our favorite books, our kids' favorite toys, and so much more. All our recommendations are in one place, and they're just one click away. To see the complete list and start shopping now, head to amyandjordan.com slash favorites. Again, that's amyandjordan.com slash favorites. When you make a purchase using one of our links, it doesn't cost you extra. Sometimes it even saves you money. And it's an easy way to help support the show. Now back to the episode. 
Yeah. And I think for me, you know, as we started to inch toward that decision of starting a family, um, one of the things that I said to Amy at the time is I said, you know, Aim, there are a lot of different experiences that you can have in life, right? There are foods you can taste. There are places you can visit. Um, there are jobs you can have. There are hobbies that you can acquire. There are a lot of things in this world that people can do. But I said, I really feel like there are a handful of really rich, uniquely human experiences that span thousands and thousands of years. And I said to her, I'm not sure that I want to get to the end of my life not having experienced those things. And I think for me, I came to a point where, you know, I looked at my life and I said, well, you know, like marriage is a unique and beautiful experience and having kids is a, it's a unique and beautiful experience. The ability to have grandchildren, that's a unique, beautiful experience. And I came to a point in our relationship where I looked at Amy and I said, at some point we have to start. And I think I'm at the point in our marriage and in our life where I'm more afraid of getting to the end of our life, having not tried to have those unique, rich, beautiful experiences than I am of whatever is ahead, jam hands and all. <laughs> and so I think that was one of the things for me personally that helped us move into that decision. But one thing I want to say, because you know, even at the time that we were going through that, we had friends in our life who were single, who had never been married, who weren't planning on getting married or having children. And one of the things we used to talk about with those friends is the idea that you don't have to be married or have children to have a unique, beautiful, incredible life. You know, the Apostle Paul comes to mind as somebody who was never married and never had children and was one of the most powerful and impactful people that ever walked this earth. And that was something we used to talk about with our single friends is that there's nothing wrong with being single for your entire life. There's nothing wrong with getting married and not having children, right? There's, there's nothing wrong if you don't have that desire in your heart because we believe that God calls us to certain things at certain times, and he doesn't call everybody the same. And so if you're somebody who's listening right now and you are single and you're not sure if you want to get married or if that's an option on the table for you, or if you're married and you're not sure you want to have children, um, I would just bring you back to that example of the Apostle Paul, that you don't have to be somebody who's married and has children in order to live a great life and do big, great things. Mm -hmm. That's so, so true. I think like it was around that time we started to feel like God was just stirring something inside of us. Um, and whenever we feel like we're getting that stirring of like, oh gosh, like it feels like there's a big life changing type decision looming out ahead. There's three things that we always try to do in the face of a decision like that. And one is to talk it out together extensively, like all the time. Maybe over the course of eight years. <laughs> like, just talking about all the feelings, fears, all of it. Um, and then the second thing for us that's really important is praying consistently about it and bringing it to God. And the third thing for us is is seeking wise counsel. And for us, like the biggest decisions in our life, like I think back to um, the time that we decided to leave our steady teaching jobs and take our business full time. That was a huge life decision for us. Or buying our first house, the house that we're living in now, that was a huge decision for us. Or having kids. These were decisions that were giant. And we really believed like we needed wise counsel from people who were older than us that had a lot more life experience that could speak into our lives and hopefully share things with us that we couldn't see ourselves. Yeah, I'm reading a book right now called The Vanishing American Adult by Ben Sass. And one of the arguments that he makes in the book is that 
at, at no time in our country's history have we had less intergenerational contact than we have now. Meaning 50 years ago, 100 years ago, you know, hundreds of years ago, Americans were regularly connecting with people of all ages and all generations all the time. And in the Bible, it says in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. Again, in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. And so the question that, that we would ask you if you're listening right now is who do you go to in t- during times in your life where you have a big decision that's facing you? Do you have someone who's older, who's wiser, who has more life experience? that you can go to and ask the hard questions. Because even though we feel so blessed to have friends who are in the same stage of life with us, walking alongside of us, it is super nice to be able to commiserate with a friend (laughs) who also understands sleep deprivation Mm -hmm. and diaper blowouts and vomit in your hair, right? (laughs) It's nice to commiserate with somebody who understands jam hands and, (laughs) and, 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 and diaper bags, right? And all that kind of stuff. But also what we found is that neither us nor our friends have the perspective of a 60 or a 70 or an 80 year old grandmother who's been through all of that because we just can't because we, we haven't been through the full season yet. And so, so we just started looking for opportunities to talk with um, people who were older than us and much further ahead, meaning their kids were um, already gone from the house or maybe were in the point where they were just exiting the house. And I can think of this one experience in particular where we were sitting at this beautifully warm, charming table with this family we really respected um, out in Pennsylvania. It was like this beautiful, it was very cold. It was winter and we're from Arizona where it like never drops below like 70 degrees. <laughs> so we were like freezing, but we walk into this house and it's so warm and you can just feel the love when you walk in. And we sit at this table with this couple who is just like couple goals in every way. And they have four kids and their youngest one was about to go off to college. I think he had maybe six months left of his high school career and he was start he had just chosen his college and so it was a really cool time for us to sit at their dinner table and just ask them questions about their life and um, I remember specifically talking to the mom who was just in this really cool reflecting stage of her life like she had raised four kids her last one was about to leave the house and her perspective on life was just so beautiful and so encouraging to me as someone who was just thinking about entering motherhood and she was kind of at like the pinnacle of motherhood, like about to launch her last kid off into the world. Um, And I'll never forget, I was just like asking her for her best advice. And there was something that I was actually taking notes on my phone during this dinner. I don't think we took a bite of our dinner because (laughs) everything she said, we were just like locked in on every single word. But one of the things she said that really struck me is she said, you know, one thing I've always tried to do is teach your kids like they won't have you tomorrow and love your kids like you won't have them tomorrow. And oh man, it's like making me tear up just thinking about that. I had tears in my eyes when she said it. And I think like just hearing those words and seeing the love that she had as she spoke them, I was just starting to realize like, yeah, I think this this is for us. Like I just felt like that nudge of like, yeah, there's a lot of like tough things about parenthood, but look at the richness here and look at the fulfillment fulfillment in their eyes at the end, at the finish line of this thing. And I remember talking to a friend who was 
older than us, maybe a, a little farther a- along um, down the road, someone we really respected who had also been very successful in her own career and had a lot of purpose in her business. And um, I was asking her about the realities of parenthood. And she was saying, you know, in regards to like that gross stuff, like the vomit and the diaper blowouts and all the things that we see on social media of like the yuck parts of parenting. She said before she had kids, she could never really understand why anyone would want to do it. And I was like, yeah, I relate to that 100%. Um, But she said, you know, now that I'm a mother myself, it sounds weird, but it's really like an honor to be able to serve my kids. And it's an honor that God chose me to be um, the one who's taking care of this little being that can't take care of themselves. And so it was like throughout our throughout the time when we were making the decision, we just got like all this powerful wisdom dropped on us from um, people who ha- were older, farther along, farther ahead. And that experience, like gleaning everything we could from them, I think was one of the game changers for us as far as like feeling confident enough to make such a big life-changing decision. Yeah. And, you know, thinking, thinking also that I think right now we're, we're in a day and age and a time and place and in a culture where it's, we're in a very like me first self-centered type culture. And it's about like, you know, my happiness and it's about our happiness. And I think one of the things that we were, we were learning, we had known what we were learning, even around that time we were making the decision whether or not to have kids is that we realized that what we are not chasing is happiness. What we weren't chasing, even though we love those years of being married and we love the freedom and the fun things we were allowed to do is that when we were looking into those older women's eyes, we were seeing fulfillment. We were seeing purpose. And what we realized is that for us, we, we wanted to chase purpose and fulfillment a lot more than we wanted to chase any selfishness that was left inside of us or any happiness that we thought we would have by not trying to start and have a family. And in, in uh, the movie, A League of Their Own, uh, one of the great scenes in the movie, A League of Their Own, is when Tom Hanks says to one of his players, she looks at him and she says, it's just too hard. And Tom Hanks looks at her and says, it's supposed to be hard. The hard is what makes it good. And Amy and I really resonate with that because over the last 18 months of being parents, they've been the hardest 18 months of our life. They've also been the most rewarding and the most fulfilling um, that we've ever had. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And so I think like reflecting back on all the fears that we had about having kids, I think the crazy part about all that is like before we decided to have kids, we were so fearful of the change and what that would mean for our life. And then once we decided like, yeah, I think... I think we're going to do this. Like, I think it's time to have kids. And we felt like we had made that decision. All of a sudden, our fear completely changed to like the fear, like, what if this doesn't happen for us? And then all of a sudden, we were starting to realize like how much our hearts had changed on this subject and how much we really desperately wanted to be able to have kids. And so the it, fear was... It was interesting, right? Because yeah. we, it was like we didn't know. We, did, we weren't sure how bad we wanted kids. For such a long time. For such a long time until we made the decision that we wanted to have kids. And then immediately the fear set in of what if we're not able to have kids. And it was amazing how quickly it seemed like that transformation took place. But we know that it didn't happen quickly. We know that it was something that was brewing over a long period of time inside of our hearts and inside of our souls. And it's just so funny how you have one fear and that seems like the only it's the fear feels so big. And then once you get past that fear, another fear pops mm-hmm. up. Because it was like once we got pregnant, then we were so fearful that something was going to go wrong. You know, we were very realistic about knowing like the statistics and how many couples and families endure 
the heartache and the pain of miscarriage. And so it was like every week was a struggle to not spend all my time being fearful that once we had this baby in my belly that I was going to lose it. And it was around that time that I talked to a mentor that made a really big difference in that area and something that I wanted to share because it was so impactful for me because I was living in a lot of fear during that season of pregnancy. And right around that time, even for me, you know, as a husband, um, when Amy talks about the first trimester and us, you know, just praying and hoping that, uh, that we wouldn't have to go through what so many people have to go through with miscarriage, um, right around the 20 week mark is when we had our kind of like the result, we got the results of our ultrasound and the way that our, our, the, the midwife we were seeing at the time, the way it worked was instead of going in with the technician and them explaining everything that was happening with our baby while we were looking at our baby on the screen, Instead, they did all of the testing and all the measuring and all the things that you do for an ultrasound, but the tech waits to send the results to the midwife. And then we go meet with the midwife and the midwife is the one who explains, you know, whether our baby is healthy or not. And I can remember sitting in, uh, sitting in the room, in the waiting room, um, or I guess like the patient room with our midwife, waiting for our midwife to come in. And Amy and I were sitting there and we were waiting to get the results. And again, like statistically, we knew that most babies are healthy. That's something that our, that our midwife would remind us of all the time. You know, most babies are healthy. But at the end of the day, we also knew that there were there were reasonable statistical chances that something wasn't going to be healthy. And I remember when our midwife walked in and she sat down um, and in her, her lovely British accent, she opened the paperwork and said, perfectly healthy, perfectly normal. And I just went. <gasps> and I didn't even realize that I hadn't been breathing for like the minute bef- up until she walked in the room, because in the back of my mind, I had so much fear that something was going to be wrong. And it was just, you know, it went from the fear of like, we don't want to have children. What's wrong with us to we want to have children, but maybe we won't be able to have them to, okay, now we're pregnant and we know we can have children, but what if the baby doesn't make it past the first trimester? And then, okay, we're out of the first trimester, but what if something comes up wrong on the ultrasound and there's some defect or there's some problem? Can you see the pattern of fear just being replaced by more fear? And even once our baby was born healthy, there was also the fear of like, oh my gosh, now like we have to put him to sleep. Is he going to breathe through the night, right? Like the fears just keep on coming and coming and coming. And one of the wisest pieces of advice I ever got from a mentor of mine who I think has real authority to speak on this issue. She's a mother of four beautiful grown children. And uh, several years ago, her oldest son was tragically killed and she lost her oldest son when he was only in his 20s. And she has just been a shining example for me of um, faith and hope during times of grieving and loss. And she has learned so much and has so much wisdom. And one of the things that she shared with me is she kind of made an example, uh, kind of like took an example that really helped me wrap my mind around this concept of not living in constant fear. And she said, 
Amy, imagine you're taking Beckett to Disneyland for the very first time. You've been waiting for years to take him and you're so excited to see the joy on his face. And you walk through the gates and you're seeing Main Town, Main Street. I think it's called Toontown. I don't know. Um, you're, you're in the happiest place on earth and you're looking down. You want to see your child enjoying this gift that you gave him. Imagine how it would feel as the parent if the whole time you were at Disneyland, he was so scared that it was going to be over or that it was going to end or that it was going to stop or be taken away from him that he was never able to enjoy the gift of the moment. And she was like, that is how God feels about us, Amy. He's giving us gifts and they might not last forever, but we need to live in the joy of the moments we have with them while we have them. And we don't always get to enjoy our kids forever. Um, Oh gosh, it makes me tear up when I think about it. (laughs) Maybe you should talk for a minute. Yeah. You know, um, in the course of that conversation, she said something that we'll never, ever forget. And I said, you know, you lost your oldest son. And I said, how does it, how does it make your other three kids feel? When they see just like the depth of the grief that you felt when you first got the news and that you felt every day since then. And she looked at me across the table and said something that I will never forget because it was so raw and so real and so powerful. And she looked at me and she said, you know, I've talked about this with each of my three kids and every single one of them said the same thing. They said, mom, in a way it's helpful for us to see the grief and we're glad that you haven't forgotten about our brother because if that had happened to one of us, we would want to know that you wouldn't forget about us too. And we would want to know that you loved us so much the way that you loved our brother. And that was a really powerful moment for us. And I think it speaks to the idea of surrounding yourself with older, wiser people who have had life experience specifically related to children because they really have the ability in a moment to put everything into perspective, right? They can put in in a moment, they can put the sleepless nights into perspective. In a moment, they can put the jam hands into perspective. In the moment, they can put the vomit and the diaper blots into perspective and the tantrums into perspective. Um, if you haven't picked up um, on this yet from, from, from this episode or from other episodes, um, and maybe you're this way. Maybe it's just me. Um, Amy's somebody who's not typically a very anxious person. She's a content person. She, she trusts and she has faith and is generally really an optimistic person. Um, I live with a little bit more anxiety. Of the two of us, I'm more of the anxious one. And maybe in your marriage, you relate to that because you're more of the anxious one. Um, in one of the books we read, uh, I can't think of the title right now, but it was called Productive Paranoia. And that's sometimes where my anxiety comes from is that I'm always a little bit paranoid about something that might happen down the road because... It's great uh, by choice. Great, great by choice. Um, because because of fear, right? I'm always a little bit anxious about, well, I, this might happen or this could happen. And I always play things out to the end and play them out to like the worst possible outcome that something could happen. And our friend really helped us to see that what we're called to do and what we're supposed to do and the best way to live is to live in the moment. And one of our favorite pastors in America, a guy named Craig Rochelle from Oklahoma says, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And so if you're somebody who has anxious tendencies like me, or you struggle with anxiety in any form in the show notes, we'll link um, a couple of sermons that we think might help you because they really helped me kind of overcome some of that fear. Um, You know, I think 
we can remember, um, you know, toward the end of our pregnancy, I can remember Amy crying, um, right a few days before Beckett was born and telling me that she was sad because this journey of ours, uh, was about to be over Mm -hmm. and like us was about to be over. And I remember going on a lot of date nights right before he was born, because that was going to be the, the, that, that season of our life, life was coming to an end. And I think at the end of the day, like with any big decision in our lives, whether it was leaving our jobs or deciding to have kids, there's just always an element of faith there. You were never going to be 100% sure about such a big life-changing decision. And we're never going to get to see the whole picture or know what's ahead of us. And like Jordan said, even even after we were already pregnant and I had fallen in love with the little baby kicks I was feeling and we had seen him on the ultrasound and we named him Beckett and we still didn't know him yet. And I think there was still fear even right up to the end of like, oh, this is the end of a an era and a, a life change that is, is impactful and scary. And- <laughs> Even right up until the last minute, I used to joke all the time that I thought that parenthood was a conspiracy. Like I would tell Amy, I think that everyone who has kids is miserable and misery loves company. And that's why everyone who sees us is like, man, when are you guys going to have kids? You guys need to have kids. And I used to tell Amy, don't listen to them. It's a conspiracy. They have to deal with jam hands every day, right? Um, what I can tell you is that the moment that Beckett was born and I pulled him, I grabbed him and pulled him on to Amy's chest euphoria is the only word that I can use because it's the only word that feels accurate or anywhere in the realm of what we were actually feeling. It was like in that one single moment, the entire world made sense. There was nowhere else I'd rather be. There was nothing else I'd rather be doing. Our priorities were clarified in an instant. And for me, it just felt like my heart was going to explode. Like it was just like, I've never experienced so much joy in one moment after like the worst physical experience of my life <laughs> to go from like that to the most incredible joy. Um, and I remember in the first few weeks of having Bex, I would just cry tears of joy and be like, I can't believe he's here. I can't believe he's mine. And I just couldn't have ever um, anticipated how much my heart was going to grow and expand. And, you know, I was so worried about like losing my life with just Jordan. And instead, what's happened is never once have we wanted to go back to being just the two of us um, because our life is so much richer now. Um, when, when I think about, um, our life now, a lot of those fears that we had, they just haven't come true the way that I expected. You know, we still have our identities. We're still, I'm still Amy. He's still Jordan. Uh, we still love being together. We still have passion for our business. Um, I would say we're more professionally fulfilled than ever before. It's definitely been a greater challenge than ever before. Um, we've had to manage our time in new ways. We talk about that a lot in episode one, the multitasking myth, um, that there was definitely a, a transition season where we had to figure out what that new normal was going to look like for us, balancing work and and kids. But really, like when I think back now, it's like we we waste less time. Our priorities have never been more clear and we just get more done in less time. And so a lot of those fears that I had about like our business or our career and how our life would change really haven't come true. Yes, there's been challenges, of course, and it's been hard in certain ways, but it just doesn't even come close to compare 
comparing to the richness that we've experienced since. Yeah, I mentioned before that one of my fears before we had children was the idea of sharing Amy. And that was a true thing. And that was a real thing. And I do have to share. I do have to share Amy now. And I'm not still I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that still. Um, but but in, in, in truth and in all seriousness, that fear has been totally eclipsed by how much I love watching Beckett experience Amy's love. <laughs> and what, you know, one of the things that Amy says to me all the time is that she'll be doing something with Beckett, reading to him or, or coloring with him or playing with him on the ground. And I'll be sitting on the couch or on the bed, just watching and observing. And she'll she'll look up to me and say, Hey, you should come down, come play with us, come sit with us. And a lot of times I say to her, I just love watching. <laughs> I love watching somebody else get to experience your love the way that I experience your love. You know, I used to think that I was the luckiest man in the world because I got to tell people, Amy is my wife. But Beckett definitely has me beat because when Beckett gets older, he's going to have the unique honor of telling people she's my mom. And I've realized that the only thing better than being Amy's better half is being half Amy. And that's one of the reasons why anyone who's listening right now, who's been going back and forth about whether to have children, especially the men. I just want to encourage you that it's been worth every bit and more. Thank you for listening to Life with Amy and Jordan. If this episode was helpful to you, we'd love for you to leave us a review. And if it wasn't, please don't. <laughs> but seriously, a review from you will help us reach more awesome people like you. To get the newest episode as soon as it's available, hit the subscribe button.